0: were speakers this morning. We've got Glenda and Abigail, but we're gonna hear Glenda. First,
1: we're excited to hear fit the Lord is putting her heart to show us this morning. So if we could get up for, for Glenda. It's quite scary coming up here, so a bit of encouragement always helps. Thank you. Thank you, Nathan. I am sweating bucket loads. Honestly, it's one thing, you know, hiding behind a guitar and singing, or if God, on the moment tells you to share something, but when you're asked to share something, it's a whole different ballgame. So anyway, um, so I'll start by um, sharing the title, which I was. I walk up to the stables every morning to feed my horse, and I was so wound up today I've actually forgot to go and feed her this morning. Um, So, I was walking up to the stables one morning, I was like, God, you have to give me a title so that I can kind of pull something together. I kind of had an idea of what I was going to share, and I just felt, like you said, fighting for freedom. So I'm entitled in this fighting for freedom, it is actually just going to be my testimony with some scriptures relevant to fighting for freedom. So as you probably know from the last um, time I I shared a little bit about my struggles with an eating disorder. So I got saved when I was 17 from, I I was involved with drugs and I got radically saved, gave up the drugs and you know, everything was fantastic, but I never actually dealt with my insecurities and um, my feelings of inferiority. And then I began to, so I didn't have the drugs, so I began to start with this eating disorder which kind of was like a comfort for me, something to hide something to make the fear, or, and everything I was feeling, it just kind of, I would just, you know, it's, it's a horrible thing, but anyway, but that's where I would go to just kind of numb, it was like a numbing thing, it just numbed responsibility, it numbed everything I was going through, and that's how I dealt with things. Um, so anyway, I'm going to read this scripture first, and it's from 1 Timothy 6 and 12, and I'm just going to read out my book all these colored strings <laughs> so, to help me keep my place. So First um, Timothy 6, verse 12, um, I'll read it from verse 11, and it says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith and love, patience and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So I'm focusing on fighting the good fight of faith. So anyway, um, so I fell away from the Lord for a long time, for about 15 years, and my, blo- um, my eating disorder bulimia had a stronghold in my life for 15 years. But I believe in all that time, I haven't got time to share. But God watched over me anyway, and I came back to the Lord. Must be about maybe 10 years ago now, and. Um, I was going along to a church in Peterhead and um, I just handed my life back over to God and then I became very aware of my eating disorder that this had to be dealt with. But it was just so strong and I just I didn't know where to go about it. So I kind of just left it on the back burner and just carried on. So God started to deal with my insecurities Um, and um, I think like insecurities and fears in your life I asked God to give me a picture it's like you know when you get a necklace and it gets into knots and you try to unknot it it's an absolute nightmare or a ball of wool you know when it gets into knots and sometimes you have to do undo little knots to get to the bigger knots and, and it's just like takes ages sometimes it looks quite simple oh here we go and then you realize you have to go back and undo another knot sometimes I feel like it's like that with us God has to deal with some things before he can deal with other things and then sometimes he's to deal with the little things and before he can deal with the big things so it's kind of a bit like that and I feel like that's how God dealt with me so anyway as I went along to church um I just started to I just I love worship I've always loved music but I absolutely love worship and I I didn't sing I didn't play guitar or anything like that um and I I went through a, a year of God just um just like studying the Bible and just listening to podcasts and and just listening to God and growing in God. And then it the started the second year of coming back to Lord. I promised him if I was ever asked to do anything, I wouldn't say no. So like if I was asked to speak or whatever, I promised God, whatever he asked me, I'll do it. So I think it was only a week later that my pastor says, oh, will you share a little testimony on a video? Because they would play like short two-minute videos on the the announcements of people's testimonies well i was just like yeah okay because god reminded me i promised and i remember being so so wound up it was such a fear for me like the, the mic i had a phobia of my own voice and microphones and anyway so we went upstairs to record this video and i am not joking it must have took about 30 takes to do literally 30 seconds to a minute testimony i was crying i was so wound up it was such a big thing to me um, I, it was real, I was afraid, I was terrified. So anyway, I did it. And then I went to the service, at the, they had a night service and they would play this at the night service. I remember sitting up the back in the chair, kind of slouching down in the chair, waiting for my turn, thinking, oh my goodness, this is gonna sound ridiculous. So I sat there and I listened, and I remember just thinking, I actually made sense. Um, and I thought, it's actually not that bad. And then just on the back of that, my um, in fact, before that, sorry, it's getting a bit confusing. My pastor's wife had asked me if I'd share at a ladies' tea, and I'm like, oh. so I was raging at God. I was like, I know I suggest, but you know, I was like, you know, over the course of a year, maybe. But anyway, this was I feel I believe that God was starting to strengthen me and and prepare me for this speaking at a ladies' tea. So that was the video thing first, which then made me think, well, maybe I could speak. So anyway, so I prepared for the ladies' tea, and um, and I did I did that. And around about the same time as well, I started, I joined a little group in the church where they were teaching children to play guitar. So I'd always wanted to play guitar. So I went along with all the kids and me sat there learning the guitar. And I started to learn the guitar and I just got, you give me three, four simple chords, which I probably still do today. And uh, just started strumming away and, you know, it took a little while. And then I started singing at home because I love to sing. So my son, kids are great encouragers. He was my audience, my little boy, he's not a little boy anymore, but he would say, mom, that's brilliant, and he would encourage me to keep going, so I kept going, I kept going, and then this girl came over from America, and I shared a song with her one time, and she's like, why are you not on the worship team, and I'm like, no chance, so anyway, she must have spoke to the pastor, and then I got taken on to play bass guitar, so I wasn't singing, but it was a whole new thing, I'd be on stage, but little by little, God was stretching me, and then again i um, was asked if i would come and help a children's ministry and i'm like kids are totally not my thing but i just thought i'm just going to serve because i'm available and i'll serve so i went and I served at this little kids ministry called mainly music and i started in the kitchen where i'm comfortable making the teas and i thought this is easy and then the computer lady left so i was asked to do computer well i was just terrified because i don't know what to do but anyway I, i took on the challenge and i did that and it turned out you know it wasn't actually that bad and then I was asked to actually lead from the front with the microphone doing all the silly little dances with the kids. <laughs> so, okay. So I did that. And you know what? It didn't kill me. And I think through all, you know, with all the little things, God was building my confidence up. Um, and then um, I started to, you know, so I started to do singing at ladies' teas and stuff. And, I, and then I thought I would really love to be able to sing in a worship team. It started to become my dream. And I always remember there was this girl in church. So this this is like really what I'm wanting to tell you. So there was this um, young lady at the church, a a good bit younger than me. And um, she used to get, she would go up and sing now and again. And for the first time in my life, I experienced true jealousy. And it really shook me. I wish I took, I was going to try and find my notes from back then to read out what I'd written because it was really funny. And I was like, I couldn't believe how jealous I was. I was inside, I was absolutely, you know, when you feel like green envy, and I was like, what on earth is that inside me? And I did go home and say, God, what on earth, you know, why am I feeling like this? And I laid it before God. And anyway, long story short, I had found out that um, later on that this a, a woman had approached me and said this girl had come up to her and, and told her to stay away from me, that I was trouble, that I was poisonous, that I was, you know, I can't remember all she said, but I was absolutely just devastated. I was so, so hurt and so, so angry, and I really felt like I had to go around and justify myself. Um, and then, s- sorry. So God had... Um, spoke to me about that hold on sorry i just find my scripture yeah so in Psalms, um so god spoke to me i really wanted to like vindicate myself um and let everybody know that i wasn't like that you know i felt like you know what is pe- how many people should told this to is people not like me you know um so Psalms 135 14 reads for the Lord will judge his people and he will have compassion on his servants. And also in another version it says, For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. And I really felt God challenged me to not vindicate myself. It's like, you know, if people are true people, they will judge you for your, themselves. You know, they'll, they'll get to know you for themselves. And I just felt like I had to let it go and I had to forgive her and leave it. And it was really, really difficult. Because you know, part of my insecurity, I was like, oh, I don't want people to think this of me. But I really had to let it go, and I had to really just you know, keep laying it down. So anyway, later on, and it wasn't long after, we had teas after church on an evening, and I went up and I was sat at a table. And I was just minding my own business, and the girl came and sat at my table. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. And I was just sitting there, and I was just suddenly overcome with compassion. And... Um, and the Bible speaks, compassion is like a gift to the, the Holy Spirit um, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's one of those gifts that he can give you. And I knew it was coming from God because I did not feel compassion towards her. But suddenly I was overwhelmed with compassion. I'm like, wow, God. And I began to see her through his eyes. And I could see how insecure she was and how, you know, people avoided her because of the things she did out of her insecurities. And I just felt so sorry for her. And it, it was so rare for me to feel like that and I just felt like God was saying, I want you to befriend her and take her under your wing. And I was it was a really big ask. I was really like shocked. But I thought, okay God, I'm gonna obey you. Um there's also a scripture it speaks about obedience um is, I'm getting wound up here, but obedience is better than sacrifice. Um I'll not look up. And I just felt like, you know, we can come along to church, we can make that sacrifice, you know, but at the end of the day, God will ask us to do things, and we need to be obedient if we want to to change and be more like him, and I knew if I wanted to be used by God, and if I wanted to go on to worship, if I wanted to do stuff, I was going to have to live obedience, and I knew that I had to obey God and take her under my wing, so anyway, I did, and um, eventually, you know, we we reconciled, and it was was really beautiful, and um, And, you know, and then from there, I ended up leading worship as well and whatever, but um, sorry, give me a minute. So my thoughts on this was, so what does it mean to fight the good fight? So I sat last night and I was like, what is it to fight the good fight, God? I'll read that scripture again. It says, but you, O man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith of which you were called and have confessed uh, confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We need to fight the good fight. And the good fight is obeying God. As we obey God, we are pushing back the enemy. Um, so I wrote this little thing I felt like God showed me last night. So God, the good fight, God is good, so to fight the good fight is to do, to do is, is to do it God's way, and to do it God's way is to obey Him. So if we want to fight the good fight, we need to obey God in everything that we do. And one of the things, um, so going back to the bulimia, I was struggling with it so much and constantly asking God to, to set me free. And I really, and it, it was just never happening. I always found it such a hard thing to do, and I and I, ju- I found when I forgive this girl for what she did, and it was probably the the biggest thing I'd, I've ever had to forgive because I'd never been attacked personally in that way before. So it was a big, big thing for me, and I felt like you know I had to forgive her. And as I forgived her and obeyed God, it was a miracle. I just found the strength to overcome, and I know that I. I tri- you know, allowed it to come back in recently, but God's dealt, you know, God's dealt with that. Um, but I really believe there can be things in our life that hold us back, and it, not always, but sometimes it can be because of things we carry in our own life, and it can be unforgiveness. It could be bitterness towards somebody. I mean, this was a lady in our church, you know, and it, so I found it harder to forgive, really. It's easier to forgive people that don't believe in God, because you think, well, they don't know any better, but when it's somebody that, You serve in church with, and you know you have to do work in the Lord with the Lord. With, it's really really hard when they've attacked you, and it was really really hard to forgive her. But I believe the forgiveness was a key to me moving on. It was like one of those knots in the necklace coming undone. And I've still got lots of things in my life that God deals with. But, you know, to me, fighting the good fight—it's a personal thing. It's it's things in our life, and then when we when we do those things and obey God. It, un- it opens up new opportunities, it opens up God being able to use us in more ways, because a lot of the time, you know, if we're harboring things in our life, or it limits the way God can use us, and we want to be used God- by God, you know, we want to do things for him, so I just encourage it, <laughs> So, yeah, so John, John, sorry, John 8, 3, 6 says, if the sun fits, sets you free, you're free indeed. And I really struggled with that scripture for a long time until I fully understood we are free, but we need to walk out that freedom in obedience to God. As we're obedient to God, we become more free and more free. So, I mean, if you're struggling with things, I really encourage you to ask God to help you walk through them. And they're not easy, but God, you can do it. You know, you can do it because God gives us the, the, the power to do it and the, the um, strength to do it. Um, so I'll just wrap up by saying that um, we need to walk into that freedom by getting to know God and through obedience to his word and often it's a fight in our mind it's a battle in our mind Um, and I'll just say like forgiveness is the key to freedom so I hope that made sense (laughs) I'm just going to hand over to Abigail because I know she's got an amazing story I think that kind of has to do with freedom and forgiveness as well so give her a hand (laughs) So, um, sorry.
0: So I'm so chuffed that I get to call her my friend, and uh, not only my friend, but um, she's totally in the six months that I've known her, um, just pushed me so much. (laughs) So um, I just I celebrate you, Glenda. So um, I want to make a confession this morning. Um, I want to make a confession this morning, um, and it's a really unspiritual one. I had four goals before I turned up at church this morning. The first one was, don't spill coffee on your white top. <laughs> Second one was, don't let the kids spill anything on the white top. The third one was, don't let the dog jump up on the white top. <laughs> and then the fourth one was, rest in his presence, because he's got this. Um, And um, you know what, I just love how this church honors people's stories. Um, I've not actually been in a church that celebrates people's stories quite as much as you do here. And you know what, you guys are messy, but you're so beautiful. (laughs) It is a beautiful mess in this church, and it's because your stories are allowed to be be a part of this fellowship. Be a part of this church. So um, for those of you that don't know, I'm Abigail. Um, I moved from Inverness, where I'd been for 16 years. Um, I moved last summer. Um, I've got three kids, um, two teenagers, twin boys, who delight in reminding me every day that they are now taller than me. Um, and I've got Esther, who, um, well, she just announces herself, really, <laughs> wherever she goes. Um, so uh, I'm going to try and keep it brief, but I'm going to tell you um, my story and then a couple of thoughts um, with my story. Hopefully as just a bit of a foundation for that. Um, so I was born into a Christian family, two parents, very involved in church. Um, and um, I made a commitment of five, um, gave my heart to Jesus, um, as any Sunday school teacher would be. <laughs> so proud of. (laughs) Um, But then um, at age seven, um, over the course of a year, um, I was sexually assaulted um, on uh, many different occasions. And um, that really changed the course of my life. Um, When I revealed this to my parents 20 years later, um, they actually said that I'd gone from um, being an incredibly uh, outgoing, affectionate um, child to shut down. my, my character completely changed over the course of the year um, and really that began um, a childhood of, of just deep con- confusion I know that m- so many of you sitting in here will Resonate with that because so many people have experienced similar um, things. Um, and do you know what? When I was going through um, my season of healing, um, several years of healing, God actually um, described it to me um, as that I was I was hidden in plain sight. Um, I was seen. I was doing things, but my whole internal world was hidden. Um, and um, but do you know what? I still. I was still totally sold out for jesus um, and um, that actually in some ways um, made things even more complicated and 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 in turmoil within me because i was I was loving this Jesus, but I was carrying this stuff that just i couldn't make sense of i couldn't I felt trapped by um so by the time I got to my teenage years, um I was torturously shy um probably now we would describe it as, I've, I had some big level of anxiety and that sort of thing. But even, you know, 20, 30 years ago, we didn't really use those words. So I was, I was torturously shy. And um, by, by my teenage years, I, I was very, very academic, but I actually ended up missing so much school, basically most of my secondary school years. So I left school with nothing, left school with no qualifications. Um, and um, somewhat unusually, I did reach a point in my teenage years where I tr- attempted to take my life. Um, but somewhat unusually, you know, for me, that was a case of I so wanted to be with Jesus and so couldn't cope with what was going on inside of me that I thought that was my answer. You know, I just, I just, Jesus, I, I totally believe, you know, what they say about you and what they say about heaven. And, so I need, to be, I need to be where you are, you know? And I felt like that was, that was the way to make that happen and escape what was going on inside of me. Um, but um, that was an unsuccessful attempt um, on my life and um, actually left home at 16 and I went and did a few years with, did some years with Youth for Christ. Some of you might have heard of them. And then I went to Nexus Academy of Music Ministry um, And um, that is where I met um, the guy who would become my husband. Um, Now, considering that I was going into this still very, very broken, um, I married believing I needed to take this chance because this was my only chance. No one else was going to have me, (laughs) you know. So this guy was willing. Like, we better do this quick. Um, So I was married by the time I was 20. um, And um, you know what? He was... um, we were, like, straight into ministry. We were, he was a drummer, um, I did music stuff, and do you know what, uh, I've never yet heard somebody play drums that the presence of God is so heavy the minute he starts, you know, and there was an anointing on his life, um, there was an anointing on his life, but he was very broken. So, within, um, within six months of us being married, um, he hit me for the first time. And I say first time, because this was the beginning of 13 years of this kind of behavior. Um, and um, if anyone's ever done like some counseling training or anything like that, you'll, you'll know that there are, um, there are words used to describe um, uh, defense stances. So I was a placator, so I tried to make everything okay. Keep everyone happy. Keep the peace. Keep everything quiet. And I was married to a blamer. So everything was somebody else's fault. Uh, recipe, like, for disaster. Um, and um, so we, we we tried to, you know... Um, Work through some of our issues, um, and um, there was a lot of promises, you know, from my then husband. Um, he he was really good at saying the right thing, <laughs> and then we'd go home, and that was it. That was that. Um, so after, but I got pregnant and I had the twins, um, and I was what, 22, 23. I keep losing track, but... um, And they were really, really sick to start with. So we were in and out of hospital. Um, Elijah actually ended up in Aberdeen Hospital for a while. um, And that's... uh, But he got healed. That was a miracle. Another story. (laughs) Um, And so did Zach uh, through time. But that was really... um, That triggered an intensifying of the behaviours that I was receiving from from my ex-husband. He was... He was really beginning to implode, um, but not ready to deal with any of that. Um, so on the outside, we were both employed by our church, um, doing ministry like at a million miles an hour. Um, because do you know what? It's really, there's a really dangerous thing that can happen when you've got an, ab- an ability, is that doors will open for you because you're good at something. That you don't have the the capacity to walk in internally. So doors opened especially for my husband to drum all over the place. Um, but do you know what, that only isolated us even more because the more you're doing stuff and the more people are seeing you, the less you feel like you can start <laughs> opening, you know, feels like a can of worms. Um, so I did reach out a few times um, to try to begin to say some of the things that were happening um, and you know those things were, f- were physical aggression um, a lot of verbal there was sexual assault um and an awful lot of uh mental games <laughs> and stuff um, but unfortunately every time i reached out to somebody um, that was never received well and that just really confirmed the lie in me that You need to be quiet. You need to keep quiet. Um, And you know what? I'd made marriage vows, and I'd intended to keep them. (laughs) And so um, I really believed that the way, one of my core beliefs was the way that I honored um, God was by honoring my husband, and the way that I honored my husband was to keep quiet. Now, that was fairly incorrect, but that was the core belief that I held at the time. Um, So... um, In 2011, um, I had a miscarriage, um, but, um, you know, I was still holding on. Like, I knew that God was good. I knew that God was good. And when I had the twins, uh, yeah, when I had the twins, God had actually given me three names. And that really, that was such a gift from God because it carried me through that miscarriage because I knew that God had promised me a girl. God had told me that uh, I was having, he'd given me two boys' names and he'd given me a girl's name. So that really... You know, it's, it's just those nuggets that, like, carry you through stuff. A um, couple of years after that, um, I got pregnant with Esther. And it was during that pregnancy that my husband told me he had fallen in love with somebody else. Um, <clears throat> he told me that one day, went to France the next day with a friend for a holiday. Um, and he came back, and a week later we had Esther. So that didn't get dealt with. We just, again, as the placator, you know just keep the peace, you know, you keep family together at all cost, you know, just that's, that's what I was taught, that's what was ingrained in me, <coughs> do what you've got to do to keep family together at all cost, um, and so when I would ask him, well, why, why have you stayed, um, you know, if, if you don't love me, you don't love us, he had expressed that he didn't want that pregnancy, um, and um, why do you stay, uh, and his answer was, because it's comfortable here um so that was the the situation that um i was living in um and um but i really really still believe that god was going to break through i was totally believing that god was going to break through and that um he was gonna turn my situation around um so obviously by the time Esther was one, we were beginning to be aware that you know she had some, some disabilities and some special needs um, that, that came out more as she got older. Um, but unfortunately, you know my husband's direct behavior and the, the environment that I was allowing to continue by staying um, really began to impact on my boys. Um, so um, they were acting out at school, you know, things were, their behavior was deteriorating. Anytime, you know, my husband wasn't about, they were getting violent because I was sa- I was a safe place for that to come out, um, which again, if you've worked with, with children who've been through traumatic things, um, you'll know that... They behave worse with somebody who treats them well because it's safe to do so. Um, so they had witnessed stuff that they should never have witnessed. They had witnessed things happening to me that they should never have witnessed. And their behavior was deteriorating. So um, as I began to meet with like, professionals through the school and so on to, to discuss this and like, how can we support them and how can we help the boys, you know, um, obviously bits of what was going on at home began to come out. Um, and more than once, I would have one of these professionals look at me and go, you know that's not okay, right? You know that's not normal, right? And that was really, that was the beginning of the turning point to me because it's amazing how when it's all you know, that's what you live, and, that, and you don't question it, and, and you have other priorities rather than, you know, exposing that. And my priority was my core belief you keep the family together at all costs you know and i've made marriage vows and so i've got to keep those um but that really is people began to look me in the eye and go you know that's not okay right (laughs) that was the beginning of the turning point for me um so in 2014 after um a particularly bad assault um i called the police for the first time um can't tell you why on that particular occasion i did um but that was the first time I involved the police, and I guess, as my spirit expected, which is probably what had stopped me from doing it before, my life exploded from that point, um, but it needed to, it needed to. Um, so um, my husband was arrested, he was charged, um, that was actually the first of a few times after that. Um, and. Um, woohoo the newspaper decided to run his case um so that was it out <laughs> um so all of a sudden um you know i i just felt like i'd lost everything you know my kids were my my boys were spiraling i stepped obviously i stepped down from my job um i've been working for my church for 12 years that couldn't happen that couldn't continue anymore um we lost my husband was a full-time dr- uh, drum tutor. He lost c- his contracts with the council for obvious reasons. Um, and, um, yeah, I guess I really started to spiral. But that was the beginning of um, of my life blowing up, <laughs> was the beginning of the healing that needed to happen and the freedom that needed to come. So um, we were basically separated from that point. Um, and, uh, you know, but the drama the drama and chaos didn't really go away from them um he broke into the house on numerous occasions um uh and other stuff <laughs> um but um and and uh, eventually i i did have a breakdown um and uh, i went and stayed with a woman from the church for a couple of months um and she just ministered to me and let me sleep and sleep and sleep <laughs> and then uh, it was the kids birthday so i was like enough of that i have got to get home um and um moved back home, and really, as, as you said, you know, sometimes God, there's an issue, but God has, wants to deal with other issues before he can deal with issues, so for me, that was my relationship with my parents, um, and um, much as on the outside, it was fine, it really, really wasn't, um, and there were some deep, deep things there, and so I came back from my two months away, and um, again, <laughs> it wasn't really i didn 't really have much choice in it because God just ripped the lid off that um, and um, again, you know the testament of my relationship with my parents now is testimony of his absolute like transforming power um. <clears throat> so um, so whilst uh, so I was separated and, and we did eventually uh, divorce, but um, during that time you know the my focus really was on the boys, um, my own healing but for the purpose of being who I needed to be for my boys um, and Esther. um, The boys went on a journey of um, really struggling with their anger, um, a lot of violence. We've had, um, uh, they've threatened their own lives with kitchen knives. I've taken... um, computer power cords from around their necks where they were trying to, you know, end things because they were just, they were just a mess, they were in turmoil. Um, And I was dealing with the guilt that they had lived, that they had seen uh, and I had, I had stayed in a situation that had, you know, allowed them to get to that point. Um, Which again, if you now um, meet my boys, um, you would never know. You would never know and you know what we it's still a daily journey you know that we pull together and we we work through stuff but um, to see my kids now um, yeah you would never know (laughs) Um, (coughs) so um, yeah I went through a season of healing and um, really that's what I want to touch on just now is it's just some of the things that um, that really made my healing journey possible Um, so I want to read you just from Psalm 31, because um, this just really sums up um, the journey that I've been on. Um, so Psalm 31, verse 1 to 5. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I trust you, Lord, to be my hiding place. Don't let me down. Don't let my enemies bring me to shame. Come and rescue me, for you are the only God who always does what is right. Rescue me quickly when I cry out to you. At the sound of my prayer, may your ear be turned to me. Be my strong shelter and my hiding place on high. Pull me to victory and breakthrough. And I really like how it phrases that, because you know what? Sometimes it really feels like God is just dragging you <laughs> into a place of victory. Um, cause either because you've just not got it in you, or you're actually terrified to go to that new place. Um, but yeah, so I like that bit. <laughs> For you are my high fortress... Where I am kept safe, you are a stronghold of salvation. When you deliver me out of this peril, it will bring glory to your name. As you guide me forth, I'll be kept safe from the hidden snares of the enemy, the secret traps that lie before me. For you have become my rock of strength. Into your hands I now entrust my spirit. For you, for O oh Lord, the God of faithfulness, you have rescued me and redeemed me. So something that I learned along uh, the way was that there is a difference between being wounded and being scarred. And in uh, Ecclesiastes 3, 4, it says there's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And so, you know, if you are still in a place where you're wounded, there's a time and a space for that, and it's okay. If you have got wide open wounds right now, um, you know, that verse just says there's time for that. It's okay. There's grace and there's space for that. But if that wound continues to stay a wound and doesn't change to a scar, then that's where there's a problem. Um, because if you look at our physical bodies, we're designed to heal. God's designed us to heal. If you have a, a cut, um, if something, you know, as long as there's not an infection or there's nothing interferes with that, it will naturally heal. Because that's God's design for us. And I believe it's the same for our hearts. He designed us to heal. That is, our, that is our natural course. And so when our wounds don't heal and don't change to scars, there's something wrong. There's something there. So just like, like a cut, you know, if it's not healed, there's an infection or there's a blockage or there's something stopping it. And so I just... That was my first thing that I really want to encourage you, that your, your end destiny is healing, because that's how you're designed. That is what your heart is longing for. That is what your heart is going towards. That is what God designed you for, is for healing. Um, but if you know that you are not healing yet, and th- that you've still got a wound, then um, we need to look at that. We need to find out why. Um, Because something is not taken its natural course. So Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a person thinks in his heart, so he is. And so um, I want to talk about unforgiveness as well. (laughs) Um, Unforgiveness. Um, Because that verse says that as a person thinks in his heart, so he is. So if I'm thinking unforgiveness, that means that is an entire state of being. I am in a state of unforgiveness, not just a couple of stray thoughts. But equally, according to that verse, if I'm in a state, if I'm, if I'm thinking through a lens of forgiveness, then that means I am in a state of forgiveness. I'm giving it, I'm receiving it, I'm living in my forgiveness. Um, so um, I want to, I know that there was many, many times on my journey with forgiveness that I was like, I just don't know how. I just don't know how. (laughs) I'm like, I want you, God. I just don't know how. Or I've tried that. I've done that. I've tried it. I've done all the tick boxes, you know. I've been on the courses, da, da, da. And I'm still walking in this unforgiveness. Um, And so I just, I want to touch on that because I think that's more common than we think. You know, as Christians, we want to do the right thing. It's like, God, you said it. I want to do it, um, but um, if I catch up with my train of thought. <laughs> um, but I was given um, on, on my journey. I was given a tool um, by uh, a pastor that I had at the time, and he was uh, he described it as um, a spiral. So bear bear with me. Um, I should have like, got a picture or something. But he described it as, right in the middle of that spiral, you've got the wound. You've got the thing that happened. You've got the moment that you, know, you, were, you were wounded. And then you begin to walk out. And you begin to, because we do, life continues. And we start to walk. And this, we spiral around this, this wound. Um, but every time you look back at that wound, you're in a different place. You're not right next to it where you were. And in, uh, let me just find it, uh, Matthew, t- Matthew 18, um, you guys will know this, but it says, then, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or my sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, I'd always read that as 77 different offenses. 77 times somebody does something to me and you know what the pastoral head in me goes seriously that's a toxic relationship (laughs) like if they've wounded you 77 times move on you know but actually what God showed me through um, my journey was that it can be the same thing the same wound that you've got to forgive 77 times and that really helped me when I was envisaging this spiral because Forgiveness is a journey, you know, and we do it once, but then we might have to do it 77 more times, Um, sometimes for one thing, Um, and Jesus is acknowledging that in that passage when he says seven times, no, 77 times. He's acknowledging that we need the grace to go on a forgiveness journey because it very rarely is a one-time thing and a one-moment thing. So, as you're walking on this, the key to this spiral is that every time you stop and something reminds you of that wound, or you look back at that wound, or just it, it, the, the memory's triggered, you are not in the same place that you were before. And you look back at that wound and you forgive again. And then you keep walking because life takes you on. And then you look back again and you're like, oh, I'm looking for, at that from a different perspective now, but I still need to forgive. It still hurts. It's still whatever, you know. Um, and gradually, you'll get further and further away that something will trigger that memory. You, you are so far on that spiral that you can barely see it and it, you barely feel it. Um, and you look back and go, oh, that's the power because I've been forgiven and I've been on a journey and God's been, God's been doing that in me. Um, I'm quite passionate about this. <laughs> as you might be able to tell um so um that's probably uh, more than enough so but um i think i'm going to hand back to gib i assume <laughs> but i thought maybe we could just pray um just first in response to um what glenda shared and um and just really because i think when you hear something about forgiveness if it um if it stir something in you it needs a response and and actually a now response is really important um if you go away it's we're very good at putting something back in a box you know that god has taken the lid off and you're like "Eh, it's not really convenient right now (laughs) so um if that's all right we'll just i'll just do you want to come up yeah
2: (laughs) um bless you (laughs) let's give these ladies some encouragement this morning and um, just want to honor you guys for sharing so honestly and for being raw and for being yourselves. It's not easy coming up here, even just sharing a few verses or something God wants you to share. But to be completely honest and open like I want to honor you and bless you and can that God is doing a work in your lives. We see it as we're journeying you and FCC, we see your love for Jesus. But we're seeing the power of healing this morning. You're walking out the truths that God has given you. And the obedience as well, because forgiveness, folks, has been the theme this morning. Forgiveness is not easy when you walk through hard stuff in life. And we've all got these real and raw journeys that we did or we have done in the past. And forgiveness is not easy. But you can something, it's possible. Forgiveness is possible. You're looking at the two here this morning that are walking examples. With forgiveness comes freedom. And not freedom that Jesus gives you is worth it, walking through the tough stuff. And we are so, I'm thankful this morning for Jesus and for the power to forgive this morning. And I just, when we sing our last worship song this morning, if you are struggling with forgiveness, this morning let's all just close our eyes take a moment with the lord is the bond prepare to lead us and worship jesus i thank you that you are a safe place jesus and i thank you that your presence is here and that you mark forgiveness possible and that you are the healer healing is possible because of you jesus and i ask that you would come and minister to each and every one of our hearts this morning and as we enter a time, folks, of worshiping the Lord, I want to open up the front. It's a safe space. We have got a prayer team um, for our, accountable to our leadership. We've got our, mm-hmm. some of our leaders here this morning. And we would love to pray with you. Nay, because we've got the answers or we can exactly how it affects, but Jesus can exactly if you're walking through right now. Jesus is the in, And we will simply stand with you We'll ask what you want prayer for, and we will pray for you. And I believe and know that Jesus will come and meet you where you're at right now. Because sometimes we're looking for that one button to press to make it okay. But it is a journey, folks. And Jesus wants to meet with you this morning on your journey. Come and meet with him. He is the safe place this morning. Lord, I just commit these people in their hearts to you, God we come into your presence. I ask that you would just be with us. That your presence would be at a safe place, our stronghold that Abigail spoke about in your psalms this morning. You are our safe place, our stronghold. And Father, for the hearts that are struggling with forgiveness or are at a point in their journey, Father, they're getting pulled because we're getting up and where we are really getting dragged along in your healingness. Lord, I pray that you would give folks strength, that they would feel the love is in your heart, and your hand for them as you're pulling them along, Jesus. But more than one thing else, we want to give you glory, God, for everything that we have heard of restoration. And we want to lift you up as part of how we battle in prayer as we worship God. So as we pray for people, we want to worship as well and ce- celebrate the healing presence of Jesus, Lord. We commit this time to you, and we thank you, God, in your name.